Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Changebook Radio Show with your host, work-life fit expert, Deb Crow. Join Deb every week as she interviews the co-authors from all over the globe. They'll share their insights into self-empowerment with their personal stories and real-life experiences that will help your own personal development and touch every area of your life. Join Deb every Wednesday on Blog Talk Radio at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Well, good evening, everybody. This is Deb Crow, the Change Book Radio Show host, and welcome. It is September 13th, 2017. Beautiful, sunny day in Canada. We hit a record high today as we're getting ready to leave the summer months and head into fall. And I am excited tonight because, as most of you know, my first inaugural chapter was in Book 5 where I wrote about work-life balance. And then I returned to book 12 to write a chapter on just my experience with the Change Book community and how it's helped me evolve as a person and it's helped my business evolve and it helped me create this radio show. So with great enthusiasm, we are back down under tonight traveling to Brisbane, Australia And I get the honor and privilege of interviewing Dawn Lee from Brisbane, who was in book 12 with me. So let me tell you a little bit about her, and then we will get talking to her. So Dawn Lee is a professional coach. She is a spiritual development mentor, and I love this description that she uses in her bio. She is a catalyst for conscious connection and soul evolution. I love that. She is the founder of the Cognitive Soul, and cognitive is one of my most favorite words. She's an intuitive coach and has her own practice, and she also has integrated a movement that helps others live with self-awareness and soul awakening. She is originally from Scotland, so we now have a, a fellow Scot for Maggie Slider in the change. And Dawn Lee has lived in London, in the UK, Japan, and she now resides in Brisbane, Australia. Dawn is very passionate about helping others heal and end repeating trauma and what she refers to as ancestral energetic energetic patterns. So Dawn, welcome to the Changebook Radio Show. Hi, Deb. Thank you very much for that lovely introduction. It's such a pleasure to be here. Well, I am looking at your beautiful photograph in book 12, so I here I've got the voice, and now I've got this beautiful Yay. picture, so I know who I'm speaking to, so just an honor, and I know that it's Thursday for you, which is kind of, again, mm-hmm. just another cool element of technology, right? That's right. It's Thursday morning here in Brisbane. Um, it's a bit dull today, actually. Normally, it's our winter right now, but we have had really hot temperatures, so it's been beautiful. A winter in Brisbane is um, far more superior than a summer in Scotland. Well, I'll have to, if you, have you connected with Maggie Slider? I haven't, actually, no, but just when you mentioned there, I wasn't aware that there was another, um, got in the group, yeah, but I most she, definitely will be connecting with her now. Yep, she is Wonderful. in book 12, and uh, she oh, lives about two hours from me. She lives in Canada, so I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to put you on the spot and tell you to initiate that connection, because she is a wonderful, oh. wonderful person. Sure, absolutely, I will. Thank you. So I want to launch with my favorite question. I do have what I call a static question when I start the interview, and I would love to hear how you connected with Jim Britt and Jim Luke 
and why you made the decision to join our global community? Well, that's an interesting question, Deb, because I can't actually um, remember. I think I must have received some kind of email um, around uh, the co-authoring idea, and it's been something that's been sitting with me for a long time. But um, I would have said I lacked the discipline to write. Um, so it's just been this kind of floating around idea. And um, when it came across my path, I wasn't even actually sure what it involved. All I really saw was um, authoring and opportunity. I didn't know anything about the gym. Um, and so I just kind of took it from there. And even when um, I connected uh, with the two gyms, I don't think I realized uh, really the magnitude of um, who they are and what they're doing and um, what the change is about. So I would like to say it was, well, it's not luck, it was just synchronicity at the right time for me, a time when I'm needing to step up, find more of my voice, um, connect more and just have a bigger energetic impact in the world. And that avenue seems like um, a great opportunity to get that ball rolling. Well, I, I agree with you, and, and I'm so glad that you decided to join us. I reread your chapter today, and um, I just I feel synergy amongst this community. And I know Book 14 is getting ready to be printed. And I can tell you, out of 280 people, and I know I have spoken to well over 200 of the co-authors, it's amazing, like you said, that we, we are aligned. I think we are shifting a paradigm, and it continues to inspire me that Jim and Jim are aligning the right people at the right time for these books. And, and to now be in 27 countries and we're launching Book 15, I think calls, um, calls to play that there really is this need and that people want this. So I just, I'm really glad that you decided to join us and you certainly are a lady of many talents, so I want to ask you a few questions. My first question is, how did you, how did you derive at the name uh, Cognitive Soul for your business? Well, after a lot of um, going through all the, uh, the names that, that come up, I think you have to sort of go through all the, the cheesy kind of lines to begin with when you're, when you're naming your business. But, for me, I've always been um, very uh, in two camps. The cognitive aspect I love, and I've always been very passionate about um, psychology, which I have a background in, and I'm a great thinker. Um, but also, for me, the spiritual part of me is as big, um, and it's very difficult to separate those two things and say that one is greater than the other. And so when I was looking at naming my business, I had to find something that incorporated both of those elements because just focusing on the cognitive is not enough because it doesn't um, bring into play the greatest part of who we really are, which is soul. And then focusing on just the soul doesn't bring into play um, the biggest challenge that we have, which is overcoming mind and the ego. And so a lot of people can focus on one or the other, uh, but to bring those two things together, uh, that's my passion. So it took me a while. I, um, I had another um, couple of fits before that, but it's just one of those things that as soon as you, you get it, you know you've got it. And that was it for me. The blend, the, the, the blend that, that, that says what my brand is and, and who I am and, you know, what I believe the power of those two things come together. Well, I don't know if you know this about me. Um, my background is neuroscience and I've worked with individuals for many, many years uh, before switching over to coaching in 2011 with neurotrauma. So when you you know, tell me, and even in your writing, um, that you love to combine the cognition with the spirituality. 
I fully embrace that and I and I understand it. And my yeah. question to you is where what mindset or mind space were you in when you decided to write this chapter? Well, yeah, that's a that's a really interesting question because I haven't even thought about that chapter. Um because the early part of my story, which is what that chapter is really about, is so um, emotionally discharged now for me that it almost doesn't exist. But I feel that the intensity of that chapter is what might um, be a guiding light for people to realize that even a story that intense um, can be transformed. So, and I, I've always believed that, that my experience, that earlier experience, is the channel through which my message will travel because it's intense, because it makes people um, take notice, because it, it, it gives me um, some weight to be able to say to people, if I can transform this, you can transform that. Um, and so that's really the mindset, I think, um, also, I think it was really important for me to make myself vulnerable, to be honest. Um, and that chapter uh, does just that, I think. I think it shows a vulnerability that I haven't always um, been willing to own. Um, I've always been a very strong um, person. But, of course, the more I've gone into this journey, vulnerability is one of our key strengths. And I think it's something that just needs to be talked about a little bit more, and it needs to be um, out there. There are so many people who have a similar story um, or who have experienced a similar trauma, and it, it's still hidden. No, I agree with you. And um, are you familiar with Brené Brown and out of the yes. state from Houston? Yes. And and I love how she's really blown the doors off of vulnerability, and I agree yeah. with you. And I think it, it ties in nicely because I know in your bio you talk about really wanting to rid the world of those individuals who don't feel that they're good enough. What do you mean by mm. that, and what do you think is a powerful strategy to shift that paradigm? Well, I think there's not good enough belief um, is based on the false self. And the false self was created in accordance to the trauma and the pain. Um, and a lot of people sort of might not resonate with that they've had a, a trauma, but trauma really is anything that shocks the body into that fight, flight, or freeze. Um, and so as we're growing up as children, uh, we can be exposed to all kinds of trauma. Um, and what that does is it sets upon this false self because the way the self internalizes that experience in, is, it, is that it's something that's wrong with that person. So, um, and then that false self is the self that the person sees themselves as and lives their life through. And everything comes back to um, that not being good enough, which is the false self. It doesn't exist. It's an illusion. Um, and so my passion is to bring people beyond that, actually to before that false self is created, because that's where the true self lies. Um, and it's, again, the, the, for me, the, the idea of conscious connection is ridding ourselves of that false self and that illusion and, and being awake, not only to who we are, but to who others are, so we can connect to people not through the story, uh, of our unworthiness or theirs. And it's it's sad that I I'm just I'm just I'm just ruminating on what you said. Do you think that people feel that way directional to upbringing, beliefs and a combination of life experience? Yeah, I think um, I think what happens also then is that every experience we have reaffirms that belief. You know, experiences in our relationships, experiences in friendships, um, do work because once that belief is 
is set, um, and that's where the person is, is operating from, then of course we bring into our reality um, anything that resonates with that belief. No, I, I fully agree with you, and you're you're very vulnerable in your chapter, and your writing is very emotional, and you you talk about your childhood. Mm-hmm. Just share a bit with us on how and and why you got the courage as a young teenager to leave, and and where do you think that emotional grit came from? Well, I think I referenced in the chapter that um, an experience of when I was about eight, and I think that's probably um, quite significant for me because from as far back as I can really remember, um, I always felt like I didn't belong in that family. I didn't feel like this was anything to do with me that was what was happening to me. And um, and that could be a coping mechanism, but I think it was something a bit deeper for me because I've always had this idea that there was this bigger picture. And I remember when I was about eight, I used to have a little suitcase that um, was packed with just a couple of things, and inside it was one of those little red, round vanity um, cases. Um, and it was in the cupboard, and it had a few um, keys, Things. And it was packed because I had this feeling that one day someone would turn up and say, <laughs> you're in the wrong family, you're in the wrong house, and they would come and save me. Um, and so I always felt a detachment uh, from that. And I think that probably saved me in a way that it, it allowed me not to internalize anything as being my fault, which I think is extremely um, relevant. And I also just had this fire in my belly. I was angry about what was happening to me. And, and I was angry that I was having to tolerate um, these unconscious um, actions and, and a family that, that really was deeply dysfunctional. So I think those two things um, really helped because when I left, um, it was a big adventure for me. I went to London when I was just 16, and um, I mean, that took a bit of, definitely a bit of grit, but I guess after what I was leaving, um, it was actually easier. So, and I've always used, um, I had, I mean, it's like I had this commitment to myself that when I grew up, um, I would, and I was in charge of myself, and I was in charge of being happy. That I would do everything I could to make sure that I was. And I never felt that I didn't deserve to be happy. In fact, I felt that after everything I've been through, that's exactly what I deserve, and that's what I want other people to feel. That you know, there's this idea that because you see something traumatic, it means you don't deserve and love or happiness, and the absolute opposite is true and is available to you. Well, and you certainly uh, have demonstrated that in your life, and I'm sure you bring all of that experience and really emotional intelligence into your own coaching Mm -hmm. practice uh, when you see clients, because I'm sure you've You've had exposure to this through clients. You talk about yeah. having your your only hope as a young child of self-preservation. What yeah. did you mean by that? Um, uh, yes, yeah, so just preserving myself um, and, and, and hanging on to that, uh, to that belief that there is a bigger picture. Um, I talk in the chapter about um, an experience where I thought I was going to be saved by my mother and that didn't transpire. Um, and having done the work uh, on that and myself, the pattern that that created at that time was that I had to only rely on myself and that, that there was no support that was coming. Um, and that held me well in my childhood. 
that as an adult that that has been a pattern that I've had to overcome because um, you know if we think that we have to be everything ourselves and we don't have anyone else to support us that's exactly um, what we will experience and what works for us as children doesn't necessarily work for us as adults so in those early days um, preserving my own sanity and I guess survival was dependent on me um, and I think again that uh, that safety it saw me through no I agree with you I would like to read um, a page out of your book because I think it's very powerful um, I might just get you to mute your line while I read this just there's a bit of background noise sure. if you don't mind so this is from Don Lee's uh, chapter in book 12, and just a very powerful and personal chapter, and it's called Transforming Pain to Purpose, The Road Less Traveled to Peace, Love, and Happiness. And she ends uh, her last page on page 96 with this writing, and I, I really, really think this is powerful. The late Wayne Dyer abandoned by his alcoholic father in and out of orphanages. Tony Robbins beaten by his alcoholic drug-addicted mother, of whom he recently said, if my mother had been the mother I wanted, I wouldn't be the man I am today. Oprah, one of the most illuminous souls on the planet, repeatedly molested by several family members, secretly birthing a baby at the tender age of 14, yet like Tony Robbins, an influential powerhouse, injecting love, hope, and inspiration into the hearts and minds of millions. There are many defining moments in my own healing journey since leaving home at just 16, adventure, travel, laughter, education, love, and connection have become my lifelong medicine. I've dug deep into my own shadow first acknowledging and then transforming everything within me that didn't belong. Gratitude, forgiveness, love, trust, and a deep sense of value keep me connected to my spiritual nature. Clear now of my purpose and place in this life, I adore who I am, who I'm becoming, and I live in awe of the child in me who courageously bore the brunt of my pain and suffering so that I could now carry this story heroically. I tingle in knowing the truth of who I am and why I'm here. It drives my life, my business, my success, and my passion to love and serve. Because of my past, I have an immense empathy and understanding for others' pain. And my story is now a guiding light for transformation. Every painful experience offers us a choice. We can define ourselves by it and be imprisoned by our wounds, or we can find meaning in it, transform our pain to purpose, and take the road less traveled to peace, love, and happiness. Ultimately, we choose our own way. Don, I just think that that is just such a powerful way to end your chapter. I think it's raw. I think it's real. I hate using the word authentic because I think it's overused, but it truly is authentic. And to me, the message you're giving us is that you have stepped into your greatness. Thank you, Deb. That was lovely, actually, listening to that. Um, and a great great reminder for me because I still draw a lot of strength um, from my own story. And yes, yeah, stepping into greatness, and that's not easy. It's not a... Again, that in itself is a whole new journey. Um, and, yeah, I think even assisting other people um, to do that also, it's not just a case of you managing your past or you being okay with your past, but that you can actually use your past as the springboard into your greatness. I think that really is the powerful message. So let me ask you this question. Have you become the mother 
that you wanted to have? Um. Oh, my son and I. I my son is seven now, and um, actually, motherhood has opened as it naturally would a part of me that um that was waiting that was waiting to open and my son has actually been very um impacting on my journey because when i had my son the very first um time i saw him or it, it actually was at night time it was that night and um, i looked into his eyes and i had a very profound experience that him and i had journeyed before except it wasn't my eyes that i was looking through I was a child, but I wasn't me as a child. Um, and when my son was just, uh, he was, he wasn't quite three, and he was, um, so he was talking, but he wasn't really stringing much together. And he was sitting um, at the breakfast bar eating a piece of toast, and he said to me, without missing a beat, "Mum, you knew me before." And two things struck me there. One was that he had articulated um, a few sentences and two, the profoundness of what he was saying. And so I asked him before what and he said to me before I was here. And then he said, but not dad. And a few months after that, I, um, and that didn't surprise me because I've always believed in the incarnation and it reminded me again of course of that profound moment I had when I first um, met him or first met him as my son. Uh, and but that massively changed the way I parented him. Um, not just coming from a loving mother, but I don't see that role as being the primary role that my son and I have. Me, his mother, him, my son. So much bigger than that. Um, and just because he's my son and he's, he's a small person in this lifetime doesn't mean that he... Um, He's not older than me, he's not wiser than me. So, I mean, I couldn't have imagined a parent for myself like the kind of parent that I am because I was never as awakened even then as I am now. So, and my son has massively um, impacted that for me. But just on that last bit there, I met a lady about six months after that conversation with my son. She was an intuitive and and my son and my um, husband were playing, and they weren't next to me, but they were playing sort of in the distance, and we were chatting, and she said to me, is that your son? Uh, and I said, yeah, it is. And she said, oh, you've journeyed, you two have journeyed before. And before I even had a chance to say yes or no, she said, but not your husband. And so whether or not, I mean, I believe that we have a soul group. Uh, soul planning is my ultimate passion and feedback intention. Um, and um, I absolutely know I've journeyed with my son before. And having that relationship with him, um, again, not just as a parent and a child, but um, I know that uh, it's, it's so much deeper than that. And he knows it too. There are times when he, even when he was small, he would call me John for months, and he wouldn't call me mum. And, um, and, and I'm fine with that because you think, I know actually that there is almost a hidden, unacknowledged sacrifice that parents and children make with each other to not really know who each other really is. Um, and I think that that, yeah, that for me that's really important and, um, and I see it working with other adults in their relationships with their own parents and with their own kids. And we're so caught up in this parent-child role and what that means that we don't see again the bigger picture and really consciously connect um, to our children. So, yes, I mean, that's a long way there of answering a question. <laughs> um, so I hope that does answer it. Well, you know what? There's, there's no timeline on the answer tonight. That's why I love having these interviews that I, you know, I frame before we even get on the air live. I think it's just lovely to have a free-flowing conversation that ebbs and flows, and I believe the answers that are to come always appear, and some answers are shorter and some are longer, but I, I think they are what they're meant to be. Yes. I agree. 
So I wanted to ask you, um, we're almost to the end of 2017. What, what have you got on your plate, if you will, for the rest of the year? And what are some of your personal and business goals for 2018? Well, um, I've been doing a little bit of uh, deep work on myself, actually, to move myself up to the next level. Um, we are a work in progress, and it's never done. Um, I believe we'll be learning something until we take our last breath. Um, and so my my own journey is, is deepening in that um, my work has, has so far been around the idea of freeing our sort of human selves um, from the mind prison uh, and, and having this wonderful life um, because of that. But I feel called now to a, a deeper, um, a bigger, again, a bigger picture of actually seeing the soul because I think the soul is as imprisoned as the mind. Um, so I aim to allow that expansion to happen within myself and in my business um, and in the meantime for my business I'm in the process of, of moving more into the one-to-many model and doing some workshops I want to focus a lot um, on relationships because although that's probably the surface level of what's really going on inside a person's um, psyche and, and deep down our relationships are where all of this stuff um, plays out. You know, that's one of the prime purposes uh, of our romantic and personal relationships. We really want to help people uh, have and enjoy that beautiful conscious connection that they can have with another person free from their story, free from their past. Um, so I think that's a big focus for me, is coming in on, on that and running some conscious connection workshops um, and I think also what I'm what I'm feeling for my business is that it's moving into separate levels. And so that will kind of be like a lower level um, sort of work and then moving people through because the learning and the growing and the evolution doesn't stop. You know, once you um, when I take people sort of back to that root and we get to the, the, the beginning of that um, unworthy story and that, that, that pain and, and we release that, that's just the beginning. That really is the beginning of a person's life because until that point, there's been kind of showing up as this false self. And now, once we get to that, we have to discover who we really are and discover the true nature of who we are, and that in itself is another process, because um, not only has our own story, our ancestral story, our conditioning and our programming, not only has that kept the true nature of who we are hidden, but I think there's also um, a mass deception about who and what we truly are, and it's hidden from us. And I think our real power, our real power as co-creators, uh, is something that we are deprived of knowing. Um, and so I see my business, how long it will take me, I don't know, um, I don't care. That, that's not up to me. My, my job is just to um, lean into trust and lean into certainty that if this is the direction um, that I'm going in and this is what I'm passionate about and this is um, what people need to hear and, and if people are aligned with it then, then that's awesome. If they're not, then that's awesome too because that's where they're meant to be. So my job really at the moment is just working on myself enough to get myself to the place where I can um, evolve help other people to see awakening and, and, and that I think that deeper part for me the soul evolution is is the biggie um, and so that will come that will come through continuing to work with clients in the way that I do continuing to tap into you know what people's real pain is and, and, and provide solutions for that and trust 
that that will grow into where it's meant to be. So that's pretty much my plan. It's been a really fast year, and um, yeah, I think this next few months will probably um, go fast as well. So I just intend to um, keep doing what I'm doing and try to step up a bit more, be a bit more visible. Actually, get rid of that slide. Um, I am stepping up a bit more. I am being more visible. I am being more open to um, to spreading my message. Because there's been a part of my day that has been reluctant, I don't know if that's the right word, apprehensive maybe, because um, soul planning, pre-birth intentions, and uh, around trauma, not everybody's ready for that message. And it's quite controversial that we should choose uh, on some level to experience that kind of um, suffering in order that we should awaken. And so, yeah, I think this is all, it's all part of the plan to, again, step into greatness and inspire others to do the same. Well, those sound like some pretty good goals to me. I, um, yeah. I'm going to have a little bit of fun with you. Yeah. And I'm going to ask you some questions, and you're not allowed to think. You just got to give me the answer that's just sitting right there. Sure. Sounds good. Sound good? Yes. Before I do that, I want to ask you one question. Based on what you've shared with us during this interview and how you wrote about your your life as a child and all the experiences, do you, as an adult, still do one thing every day that scares you to grow Oh, yes. I, I mean, well, this is one thing that, that would have scared me to do. Um, and I actually believe that, that one, it's one of the reasons that we must do that is, is not just to grow mentally, but also to expand in our bodies physically. Because whatever um, trauma and pain or um, belief set that we have, the body responds to that in the nervous system. Um, is very limited as to what it can allow in, and so doing things that scare us every day is is like working that muscle. It's like creating that expansion, and that's something I've had to do within myself, and I'm still doing now to keep allowing myself to expand in order to receive. Um, so yes, I definitely uh, advocate um, for doing things that that scare that scare us. Uh, and and doing them in small steps because you know slowly slowly as long as you just um, a small step each day and it doesn't have to be anything big but I recently started doing um, more live videos in my group and and, and things like that can be scary um, yeah so <laughs> that's a good question I like that one too thank you. I think we need to always get out of our comfort zone to grow, and yeah. I know Jim and Jim talk a lot about that. So okay. I have I promote uh, a mom every month on my Facebook page, a mom of the month, yeah. and I love the questions that I give them. And because you are a mom and you love being a mom, I'm going to ask you these. Yeah. So you can't think; you have to just give me your first answer that you sure. think of. Okay. Yep. Okay, here's here's question number one. Describe yourself in one word. Adventurous. Perfect. What one characteristic would say makes you a different mom? My spirituality. What advice would you give to the younger version of yourself? to relax and just um, stop. Did you did you want to add any more to that or just to relax? Oh, did you get the truck? 
Yeah, I, did, I just yeah. heard to relax, and then I didn't hear anything else. Uh, yeah, so the other one was trust. Um, I actually, I trust. even have this tattooed on, yeah, I have this tattooed on my arm. Um, trust yourself, then you will know how to live. It's a go with quote, um, and it, I think it's the cornerstone. Uh, when you trust, there's nothing, um, there's nothing else that you really need other than that trust. So I think I would, although I um, have carried that around with me for a long time, it took me a while to really um, sink into it. So if I could have sink into that a bit sooner, um, that would be the advice. Perfect. What makes you laugh out loud? Um, my son makes me laugh out loud a lot. Um, and sometimes also just the the craziness of the mind and the ego and um, the stories that we tell ourselves. I often catch myself laughing at that, which I think is a wonderful response. Well, that's a, that's a nice way to laugh out loud is from your children. Yeah. What makes you excited? Um, um, what makes me excited? I'm excited about my business. And I'm really excited to see where it goes. I'm excited about to see where I go. Um, I still have a lot on my um, my life list that I want to achieve. Um, um, the more I lean into trust, the more excited I get about that because I know that um, whatever whatever I can choose for myself and and I can I can create. So yeah, that makes me really excited to to re- to, to recognize that the more I evolve, um, the more amazing my life will be, and the more amazing my life is, the more amazing work I can do in the world. I fully agree. What makes you motivated? Mm. You know, when I hear about other people's pain and I listen to stories um, and I see how trapped people are, you just think, oh my gosh, it doesn't have to be like that. It just, it, that motivates me um, to keep doing this work and to push myself uh, further because I can see what that other person can't yet see, and I can see how that story is actually their the gift that's turned inside out. Um, and and being able to see that when someone else can't, and knowing that that person, what they think is actually the worst thing in their life, knowing that they can turn that around into the best, I think that's probably what motivates me. Um, most, to be honest, is is being able to knowing what's possible and 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 knowing that I that I am have been gifted um, for whatever reason that skill that that ability um, and whenever I if I feel like I'm losing a bit of motivation if that happens running your own business sure you know this it's not it's it's a challenge, especially this, this kind of work where you are your work and you are your message. Um, but that motivates me. That that motivates me a lot. When I do a, that initial call I do with someone and I hear their pain and I, and I see that story already transformed into what it could be, um, I feel very motivated to help to, to, to push on and um, to spread that word. Oh, that's lovely. So my last question is, what is your favorite quote and why? Gosh, that's a hard one because, um, yeah, I shared that quote with you that I've got tattooed on my wrist, just trust yourself and then you know how to live. Um, I love Wayne Dyer's um, quote about forgiveness. Uh, and the scent of the violet being shed on the, the heel that crushed it. Um, something I haven't uh, actually mentioned much in this, this conversation um, is that forgiveness really is the cornerstone um, of 
spirituality and uh, unconditional love and it's the bridge and if we were never wronged if we were never harmed we would never have we would never know how to forgive we would never be able to cross that bridge um, and so I think those two quotes um, and particularly that one around forgiveness is, is, is a very powerful quote for me because it just um, sums up that idea of the crushing uh, on one hand but on that releasing of, of the fragrance and, and the, the beauty and the, it's freeing, it's freeing the fragrance almost from the flower so I think I'll go with that one. Do you know that quote? Do. I do, and I, I'm a, I'm a big, um, I'm a fellow lover and uh, reader as well, and, and Wayne Dyer is uh, definitely one of my favorites. And I just yeah. wanted to ask you, how did you, how did you fare through the interview? It wasn't too bad, eh? <laughs> you know, it's been wonderful. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. I knew I would. Um, I, had... I was kind of approaching it just as a, a chat and and this is exciting for me because um, it's, again it's pushing me to expand more into this message and I'm so appreciative of what you do and uh, that you that you provide this, this wonderful opportunity and, and you're such a lovely energy to connect to so that's made it even easier thank you well, I will receive that from you, and um, I want to leave you with kind of two comments. Um, my first one is, I love the name of your business, The Cognitive Soul. I think it's intriguing. I think it's creative. I think it's innovative. And the second point that I want to give back to you is everything that you have gone through in your life is making you the best version and the best coach that you can be. I know you've done your undergrad and you have all this schooling and that's great that you have all those initials after your name, but I'm telling people to approach life just like I am and just be authentically undefined because your branding is all about who you are and what you've gone through and that's what's going to make you the wonderful coach that you yeah. are. Thank you, Deb. That's, um, that's exactly right. And um, that that is uh, that's the powerful the powerful part, isn't it? Really, that that's the part that, that is the light. So I appreciate you saying that. Thanks. Well, and and the last thing I want to leave you with is you have relatability that other people don't have. So when you have the opportunity to cross paths with another person who's had a similar experience to you, I call it being innately empathetic because you've been there on a very deep emotional, spiritual level. Mm -hmm. So your relatability is is pretty much immeasurable. So to me, I just think that's a gift. And I think you've landed where you're to be, and I'm sure that you are an amazing mom to your son. And I just want to thank you for for spending the last 50 minutes with me. Thank you, Greg. It's been an absolute pleasure. And let's keep in touch and reach out to Maggie and to some of the other co-authors because you are thrust into an amazing global community. So you take care, okay, Dawn? Thank you, Dave. Thanks you so too. much. I look forward to My it. pleasure. Bye. 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 So here I am with my microphone on this amazing radio show, and we are now on book 15 in 27 countries. It's mind blogging, mind, not blogging, it's mind blowing. It's riveting. It's exciting. Uh, I just, every week, I'm, I'm in a different country talking to another amazing professional who's an author, a coach, a speaker, all bringing their life experience and their craft 
to our amazing global community. And just the insights that I hear as I interview my fellow co-authors into self-empowerment, it's, um, I'd say it would leave me speechless, but that would just make you all laugh because you all know how much I love to talk. So before I sign off tonight, I just want to share a little bit of my heart with you, if I may. 30 years ago today, when I was 21 years old, September 13, 1987, I lost my dad. And I just wanted to dedicate the show to my dad. His name was David William Martin, and he was only 54 years old. So today was a bit of a challenging day for me, but I leaned into my fear. I gave my per myself permission to as Dawn would say, feel that vulnerability, just go through that silence, feel the sadness, have a little cry. So I talk about work-life balance a lot and about ebbing, ebbing and flowing, and I didn't do my normal routine today, but that was okay. I decided to have the morning to myself to reminisce about my dad and just really embrace the last 30 years. There's a lot of growing that goes on in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, and now in my 50s. And what I reflected on and what I want to share with you tonight is I've kept moving forward. And every time I got knocked down, I got back up. And being an entrepreneur has been like taking a magic marker and scribbling all over the page in different directions and up and down. And that's entrepreneurship. It's about tenacity, it's about grit, and that was instilled in me at a young age from my dad. So, Dad, this show is dedicated to you tonight, and I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the Changebook Radio Show. This community continues to grow with amazing individuals from all over the globe, and it's just my pleasure to come to you every Wednesday night with such a great show and such interesting, interesting people. So this is Deb Crow for the Changebook Radio Show. And I'll see you back here next Wednesday, September the 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time Live. And thanks for sharing tonight with me. Take care. Bye-bye. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.